0: The first journey I did with him was uh, very soon after I handed him a kite for the first time. I said, listen, in six months we're gonna be the first to kite from Australia to Papua New Guinea. There's a high chance we'll lose someone to croc or shark. Are you in? And he took a heavy swallow and said, listen, uh, I'm trying to date this guy's daughter, I can't say no. So he agreed and 70 kilometers from Papua New Guinea coast, he disappeared, he was on my hip and my wife Sarah, some of you will know, said you don't come home if you don't have that boy with you, your daughter's in love with him, do not get him killed. He disappeared so the French pro kiter and I, uh, she was on my left side, he was meant to be on my right, kited back up wind and we found him over the horizon in the water looking dejected and done. I said what the hell is going on and he said I'm waiting for the pickup vessel. I said, like hell you are, mate. What is going on? And he said, I'm finished. I absolutely can't go another kilometre. I said, you can see Papua New Guinea. You've covered 310 kilometres. You've tapped out. I said, your brain is telling you you're finished. You've got about 30% left. And besides, if you want to marry my daughter, you're <laughs> going to get to Papua New Guinea. Anyway, fast forward to two years ago. So this is about five years after he first came into the family. We're in Greenland. We're in probably the most brutal crossing of my life to date. Seven days in, we'd covered 30 kilometres of a a 2,500-kilometre crossing. We were trying to beat the Norwegian record, which sat at 42 days. And this boy just gave and gave and gave. Not once did he even think about quitting. And we finished in 18 days. Absolutely smashed any previous record. So... But I'm, I'm now very fortunate in that I get to talk about resilience and mind tricks, strength to corporates and sport teams. I just spoke to the Gold Coast Suns team, so impressed with 46 young men wanting to learn keys that will get them from middle of the ladder to top of the ladder. How do we do that when on paper they're a weak team? They have a whole bunch of new guys, but they're desperate to grab some of these truths. The thing is, when I'm talking to... A corporate audience or a sports audience, it's a bit like saying, listen, I can get you six gears, but that secret switch, which is the Christian faith that gets you 12 gears, we can't unpack. So tonight I'm in a free audience, I can talk about the 12 gears and I'm excited because it's kind of like just unwrapping the first layer of a present and leaving the second layer there. So tonight we're here to unpack a bit of this stuff. If we can go into the next slide. This is a photograph of young Katali, my my boy, who um, has been very privileged to be born into a family where we do crazy stuff just about on a weekly basis. But he has his mother's calmness. He doesn't have my volatile temper. He doesn't have uh, the crazy streak that I seem to have and doesn't seem to get injured quite as much as a result. This is a journey um, as part of his gap year. I said, listen, let's go do a nice, safe river journey. Uh, This is Alaska, so the first father and son team to cross the Brooks Range, and we both nearly died about four times. We still haven't really told mum the full story. Um, Death by drowning, death by falling off cliffs, and eventually near death by grizzly bear, which we'll go to in a minute. So this is the grizzly's footprint that actually charged and tried to kill us both. We're going to go to that uh, little video shortly to tell that story. started to go from steep crags, ice covered to smaller mountains with no ice, and then finally into rolling hills as we started to approach the southern reaches of the Brooks Range. Coming around a bend in the river with Kit a boat length behind me, I saw movement on the right hand bank, flared the kayak and faced the movement, realising it was a big male bear. Eating berries, it didn't seem as if it was aggressive or even interested in us. It wasn't until we were parallel moving with the current that its whole demeanour changed. Before we knew it, the bear was in full charge, moving this incredible bulk. I'd say he was 350 to 400 kilos at incredible pace, his feet driving gravel out behind him. Within a split second, it had closed in the 40 metres and was at the water my initial thought was the river is going to save us he's not going to come into the river that was soon dispelled as his body hit the river at force there's a bow wave that came out in front of his body that went straight under the kayak when he hit the water it was very hard to see this ending any other way than with violence i was about 15 feet from the edge and he took a stroke towards me when he took his first stroke I remember my heart sinking, realizing that sitting here in an inflatable kayak, things were gonna get bad real fast. He took a stroke and pushed his whole body forward, and then there was a big rush of air as he looked at me, and for some unexplainable reason, stopped his charge. Yeah, guys, so I still cannot explain why that bear stopped. And in my whole life, I've never felt a malice like this particular bear. I was convinced it was the end. This thing was coming at such violence and such speed and there was just no way. I had a flare gun in my chest. I had a massive pepper spray. Didn't have any time to get either of them ready before the bear was on me. But he hit this miraculous, what I would call a prayer wall. And it was almost like he hit a pane of glass. And I know there were women at home on the Gold Coast who had prayed covering over Kit and I and somehow something supernatural stopped that bear. So when you're stepping into a hostile environment, to go into it without a Christian faith or a prayer covering is sheer lunacy. Absolutely mad. So what I really want to unpack tonight is how do we as Christians become an example of resilience and strong mindset. Because what will draw people to our faith if they're not seeing the supernatural happen around us? So tonight it's how do we take away four very simple gear shifts that can be taught. If Simon Goodburn can learn it to a point where he is smashing records now for people that are born in the ice and snow, we're the Jamaican bobsled team training down at Currumbin Beach. (laughs) And we head over there and give them an ask. Ass kicking. Can you say ass kicking in chair? (laughs) Okay. Awesome. So moving on. This is my next journey. Just briefly, after seven years lobbying government, having beers with Malcolm Turnbull, then he got his head chopped off and I had to start all over again (laughs) to try and get this journey across. Our home has followed a lot of this, the hardship of this permissions process and what what it is, it's an attempt to be the first person to climb Dome Argus. Dome Argus is on the the right hand side of that boomerang, the lowest point there is the highest place on the Antarctic plateau and the coldest naturally occurring place on our planet. No human being has ever gone from the coast, got to the pole and climbed that on foot. There's good reasons for that. The return journey will be 6,000 kilometers. It'll beat the existing record for the longest solo on the planet in a polar region by about 800 kilometers. So there will uh, be a requirement for a resilience and a mindset beyond anything that I've ever tested myself with. So I'm, you know, the wonderful thing about this is I'm not talking to you about things that I'm not using in my day-to-day life. I'm not talking to you about things you can't take home and using your day-to-day life. I'm the crash test dummy for this stuff. Absolutely, driving in that wall at 100k, hoping the airbag's gonna work. And uh, we tested it last September with a 400 kilo grizzly and it works, absolutely. And for you, if you have cancer in your family, if you have a marriage that's about to tear apart, this stuff works. I really encourage you to see it and chase it, absolutely. Okay, so what do we do? What are four things that we can change tonight to give us an edge in a hostile environment? And the thing to remember is that the journey that I did across Antarctica last time was an attempt to be the fastest to cross from coast to pole to coast. Now that journey has withstood nine challenges. Millions of dollars gone in to try and break the 53 days I said in 2014. One guy went home in a bag and ate Went home not breaking the record. Now every summer I watch stronger men than me, 10 times the funding, step to the edge of Antarctica and try and break this record. It's the Holy Grail for people. I don't know why. I was just dragging a set of boobs trying to raise money for the McGrath Foundation (laughs) and I ran out of food so I had to go fast. (laughs) But there were some secrets in that that made it absolutely a killer combo. And absolutely number one was knowing who I was when I went down there. So tonight, you have to know who you are, know your identity. If, if you are not a Christian in this place, this is equally applicable to you. You have to know who you are as a person, who you stand for, what family you stand for, and why you're getting out of bed every day. The first thing that'll go, if you're into a challenge and you don't know why you're there, you'll pack up and go home. Faisal Hanesh, a good friend of mine, two times he's tried to break my record. He's the first Frenchman to the North Pole. Fought in the French Foreign Legion. Looking at him, you'd think this guy could pull a truck. He's super low, center of gravity, very broad, incredibly strong, trained with the Norwegians for 11 years. Day 17, he was airlifted out, all done because he didn't know why he was there. He was there to break a record, absolutely wasn't enough. So tonight, if you don't have a cause, you don't have something you stand for, the first challenge to come your way is gonna flatten you. I really encourage you, especially young people in this house, find something and align yourself with it. Whether it's C3, whether it's your faith, whether it's unfortunate women and circumstances in foreign countries, whether it's getting pure water for villages, whatever it is, you have to find something that stirs your passion inside. For me on this journey, every time I got to a situation where I felt like I could not go on, I had a mental image of women connected to chemo machines in the Alamander hospital, pumping chemicals into their body. They had no choice. They had to go through this journey. They had no tap out. So I had no tap out. That became the rocket fuel that created a 53-day record that has stood now for an incredible amount of challenge. So this is absolutely key. If you're a Christian here tonight, you should know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I know I always go back to the women because I have two daughters and they're dangerous women because their whole life I've told them you are perfectly made. You are wonderfully made. God knew you in your mother's womb. And the world today is trying to tell our women that they are only as good as their last Instagram post, only as good as their last likes, only as good as how far up the backside of the bikini goes on the shot. It's all external stuff. But to get our women to understand that their right is a birthright makes them very dangerous women. For our young men in the building to understand that they have a mission You need to know who you are and why you're here and what you're aligned with. If tonight you don't feel like you have a mission, then please come and see me. I've got about 50. (laughs) I'll give you one. (laughs) So if you don't have one, please, that is an absolute weakness in your life. You have to be aligned with something that you will run at a gun for. If there's nothing that will make you get out of the trench, like our boys in Gallipoli, they all stood for something. Your generation has been criticised because there's been not enough hardship. There's plenty of hardship if you stand for something. You're not going to become soft unless you're sitting like a boat. Have anyone seen a boat in a big sea without a sail up? It's a horrendous place to be. It's flopping all over the place. As soon as you put that sail up, It's pushing against something. It's making headway. It's a dangerous place. It's going places. Awesome. So once you've understood that, you know who you are, there's a woman in America. She's a a social worker. Came under a lot of criticism for unpacking what we call vulnerability. Anyone know Brene Brown in here? Okay, this woman, for an adventurer, it's probably the last place Brene Brown would think somebody's going to read her works and take it on. But for me to understand what this woman is saying is that in my world, men only respect toughness and hardness, but that's a weakness, absolutely. My strength has come through humility and bending the knee and understanding these two things. You are imperfect, you are wide for struggle, but you are worthy of love and belonging. That's an incredible quote. And basically she's unpacking a biblical truth. The other thing she talks about here is vulnerability it's the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. It is the source of hope, empathy, accountability, authenticity. If we want greater clarity in our purpose and deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives, vulnerability is the path. What she's saying there is that for me to come in as an adventurer and be all rah-rah and, hey, let's get really tough, A, it doesn't speak to the women, but B, it doesn't help the men. But if I say to you in an act of vulnerability tonight, just about every time I speak in a corporate world, I get off the podium and men won't come and talk to me. They're intimidated. They walk away. Women won't come and talk to me. It's been a very lonely place a lot of the time. The more outstanding and radical my journeys have become, the more I've lost friends who feel like I'm pushing too hard. He's on the edge. He's going to get himself killed. They don't understand that behind every journey, there's meticulous planning and prayer. But it has been a very lonely place. And so tonight, with that small act of vulnerability, I then become more available. People understand more of what I'm doing, what I'm going through. So I ask you tonight, in your identity-finding process, be real with the people around you. Be real with the people in church. Be real with your friends. That's a strength which will make us a very, very dangerous army. The Christian army needs to unpack this incredible truth and it's coming out of America in waves. This uh, act of vulnerability, phenomenal stuff. Okay, so number one, know your identity. Know your purpose. This image was taken right above the Arctic Circle. I was training for my last polar expedition, pushing really hard. It was my first solo. I'd never been away in a wilderness by myself ever before. Three days in, I'm thinking, I'm starting to go cuckoo. There's no way I'm going to last 60, 70, 80 days down there. And my uh, polar guide and mentor was this incredibly tough woman who claims that she can pee faster than a man at minus 20, which is a good thing. She called herself the fastest pisser in the Arctic. Had this special, special little handle at the front with a Velcro tab. She could pull, do it, and then slap it back. I don't know whether that's a skill or a circus trick, but at minus 20, it's a good thing to have. Anything left out for too long starts to go black. But she had said to me, you're a people person. I've never trained a people person for a solo polar journey. I think you're going to decompensate. I don't think your mind can handle it. I started to pull this sled and then felt a cough, cough, and then some blood came up. I coughed blood onto the snow. Now, a, a normal mindset or a soft mindset is I'm bleeding from the lung. It's minus 27. I'm by myself a long way from home. I've got to pull the cord, get on the sat phone and get out of here. But I remember looking at that blood on the snow and going, Jeff, you're in your purpose. You're absolutely training as hard as you need to to smash this world record. Now you're pushing hard enough. If I had no objective or out bigger purpose than me for being there, the minute I saw that blood on the snow, I pack up and I go home. So the absolute anchor of your resilient mindset needs to be a reason for being in the fight. Nobody steps into the ring just to get punched in the head. But if you step in and you're protecting something or something you believe and dream in, you're gonna make a difference. Now, this is something which I'm sure we spoke off about three years ago, but developing images in your mind that this is the line, the witch and the wardrobe of the Christian faith. Now in a corporate circle, I, I still use this and I had a phenomenal question from one of the Gold Coast Sun young players last week. And he said, listen, can you, can you explain more about this faith eye? And to a corporate setting, it's listen, buddy, this is like, opening the cupboard door and you're stepping into something that you've seen years before and meditated on. So for every single journey, I'll build an image of me arriving at the end point. Six months before we got to Greenland, I said, Simon, you need to start building the image of the dogs picking us up because the Inuit brought sleds to us to get us off the Arctic Ocean at the north of Greenland by um, sled dogs. I said, build an image of those dogs picking us up and we've smashed the Norwegian record. Absolutely smashed it. Start building that image now. For me in, in the Sahara, I built an image of a black river behind me, the Senegal River, and tangy colored jeans with four tracks from our buggies and we're done, we smashed the journey. For the end of the Antarctic journey, Hercules Inlet was somewhere I'd never been to. I knew that was my endpoint. For some reason I built an image of two mountains on the left-hand side with the frozen frozen ocean ahead and land under my feet at the edge of Antarctica. When I arrived there, six months later, there's two mountains on my left-hand side, a break where the land and the ocean ice met. It was a mirror image of what I built. Now what I think happens here on the supernatural realm is God has often said, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters, will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Now these dreams weren't just dreams for giggles. They were things that were gonna come to pass. So God uses visions and dreams to tell you what's coming. We can trick the whole system and build a vision in your own head and make that come to pass. Start speaking positive things out of your mouth and make that come to pass. It's not that you're tricking God, He knows what's going on, but you're using one of his incredible truths, that if you can build something in your mind and absolutely make it detailed and start speaking positive things out of your mouth, it will come to pass. So right now, I have three images in my head that I'm building for this journey at the end of the year. One, the first Australian to the Pole of Inaccessibility. I hear it has a statue of Lenin. That's all that's there, the the communist leader Lenin. They clean it every summer, they fly in, clean it. No Australian's ever been there. So in my head, I'm hugging Lennon. I've got my skis on and I'm the first Australian to get to the pole of inaccessibility. The next image is taking that last step. I've climbed 1.3 vertical kilometres, over 850 kilometres upwind. Everybody says it can't be done. But in my head, I'm already building the faith eye image taking that last step onto Dome Argus, the first human being ever to be there on foot from the coast. And then the third image is getting home safely. So working on that, complete closure of the journey. And whatever your dream is tonight, whatever it is, once again, if you don't have a dream, I've got plenty. Come and see me. I'll get you one. But if you don't have a dream... The faith I step's redundant. You have to have a dream, something that you're living for, building for, and then start being specific. We serve an incredible God. The fact that he would care about some maniac crossing the biggest piece of ice on the planet blows my mind. Not only does he care, he has created miracle after miracle after miracle for it to come to pass and kept me alive long enough to do it. Awesome, guys. So how am I going for time, Big Dan? Okay, okay. This little guy is the guy that taught me about the faith eye. So imagine this is a broken down boat on the the poorest beach in Africa, Senegal coast. We are trying to be the first to cross the Sahara Desert using wind power alone. In front about where I'm standing is a dead goat with its guts spilled all over the beach. There's human excrement all up and down the beach. It's a stinking pit of a place. All the fish are gone because of long-line fishing offshore by foreign nationals. It's a very, very poor place. The only way to, to keep your family alive is through piracy. And this child is on the end of this boat with a piece of pipe, pretending it's a guitar, singing. And I could see that in his mind, he was the captain of a fleet of ships offshore. He, I watched him for about two minutes. And he had transported himself out of this world and into the next through this incredible faith-eye image that he was building in his mind. And years later, I'm stuck in a storm. I've made the phone call to Sarah, my wife, to say this could be one adventure too many. I've rung all my polar mentors and guides. The storm was over 200 kilometers an hour, air temperature well below minus 47. Eric Phillips in Launceston has said, listen, you've done everything now. Ring your wife and say goodbye, because if the tent breaches, you will die within about four hours and you won't have a chance to call her again. So I rang Sarah, explained this situation and she gave me the fair kick up the backside I needed to work really hard and stay alive and reminded me of this kid, this little boy on the boat. Use that faith image to get out of the storm. Awesome. Something we shared with the Suns last week is they're a young team wanting to get to the top of the ladder. A lot of them don't even know or have a faith-eye image of where they want to finish this year. Realistically, they're not going to finish number one this year, but there needs to be a sensible faith-eye image. Where Where will they be? So I'm going, okay, where do you guys want to be at the end of the season? How will you know if you're off track, if you don't even know where you want to be at the end of the season? So if you don't have a faith eye image or a roadmap for where you wanna be, a lot of the times you don't even know when you've come off course. This is a period of time where I came horribly off course, where I'm strapped, tied to uh, one of the world's best female climbers in in the world, Lydia Brady. She's the first woman to summit Everest without oxygen. I felt confident that she should know how to teach me a thing or two in a mountain environment. She's summited Everest three times. And literally on day two, she's fighting for a life at the end of a rope. She stepped into the first crevasse of her life. That's a GoPro image through my legs. On the end of that rope is the world's greatest female climber fighting for her life in a seven-story deep hole. And she thinks that I'm going to panic and cut the rope. So she's convinced she's going to die because she's strapped to a novice. I'm freaking out because I'd learned how to save her the night before in a hut from a textbook, so <laughs> I did everything right, made a slot on my right, slot on the left, put skis in, connected some auxiliary ropes to that, then disconnected my main line and shimmied on my guts at the edge of the hole, from which time she said, you better not be off that effing rope, and I said, no, I'm not off the effing rope, and backed up, reconnected. <laughs> did everything right, but apparently it was wrong. And she managed to get herself out an hour and a half later. But the minute I felt this is so far off my faith image for this journey, we're going to die here. Because on the left-hand side, I don't know if you can see, from where the rope is, there's a crack forming all the way to the left. There's about two Q1s worth of ice there that's about to go into the valley below and take us with it. That crack was developing over that hour. When she got out, There's some foul language, she can swear like a sailor. And I said, listen, look under your left arm. And she saw the crack and freaked. And we headed up the hill to get away. But I just instinctively knew that at any point in time, this thing was going to go bad. The faith eye image was gone. But I had what I called a pound the ground moment, which is where you understand the situation you're in is starting to veer off course. Oftentimes as Christians, we're like the cattle walking up the crush. We can smell the blood, you can hear the gun going off, you understand you're in the abattoir but you're not going to fight to get out of the crush. It's absolutely imperative when you feel yourself getting off track, you pound the ground and the way I like to look at it is God's given you a set of cards and respectfully, respectfully say, listen God I understand these are my cards but I'd like you to deal again and again and again. And we use that same trick in Greenland, day seven, we are 30 kilometers in, we're getting an absolute hammering, that we're not even gonna break a record, let alone get there, our food's gonna run out. Simon sees me having a man tantrum, I'm punching this kite, there's snow going everywhere, I'm yelling and screaming, and he comes running over and says, have I done something to upset you? I said, no, 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 I'm sorry, Simon, I'm not upset at you, I am pounding the ground. This is a concept where things are going horribly wrong. We are so far off the faith I image. Those dogs are not going to pick us up a month, two months, three months from now. They're just not going to be there. We need to change this thing, demand better weather, demand better outcomes and more toughness. We went to bed that night. I spoke to Sarah again, firm kick up the backside from her. Next morning we put our boots on and over the next seven days covered more distance than a duo in the history of polar travel, 1,200 kilometres in seven days. And that changed with what I call the pound-the-ground moment. So <laughs> imperative. Thank you. Okay. i got five minutes? Five minutes. Okay. This is, I know I'm chewing up time here, but there's stuff here that changes your approach to lines in your life. If you can get this inside you, you will see a lion, a predator, coming to take your life out, coming to take your kids off the Christian path, coming to ruin your business. You get this in you, and you will run at that lion. Beniah, one of David's great warriors, the only guy in history that I know of, who on his spare time, rather than going home and playing PlayStation, has hopped into a pit and manhandled A killer beast with his own hands. And we know that for a fact. This guy is what it is to be a lion killer. And all it is for me, I'm not asking you to go out and kill cats or go a bit crazy. I'm a veterinarian. I still love animals. But it's an approach to hardship in your life. It's seeing a lion or some sort of challenge and rather than shrinking away going, I've got the measure of you and the God that stands behind me has the measure of you. I'm twice the woman I need to be to beat this line. I'm twice the man I need to be. Our Christians need to rise up and understand this. We will smash records in every single endeavour you have if you can get this into your heart. And understand, it's not something we haven't tested. It's been tested again and again and again. Absolute rocket fuel. The last thing before we close, oftentimes in modern day life, we are told to have an escape plan. You go into a marriage with a prenup. You go into a business with a plan for bankruptcy. Like that's just lunacy. Who, who's going to go into a business and succeed if they're already looking at the exit? Absolutely. You are not going to break records or kill lines if you're looking at the exit before you go into the challenge. This guy here, Thor Heyerdahl, I'm super privileged. I've got a little piece of rope from the Contiki coming from Norway, product of a a beer and a chat with a guy. He's sending me a piece of this rope from this boat. This boat was built in like the early 70s by Thor Heyerdahl to prove that Polynesia was colonized from South America. What Thor wanted to do is build this dodgy papyrus raft with all that they had that was available on that coastline. They're about 30 days in and the the papyrus rope is starting to break up. One of Thor's crewmen has a bag that he's hidden in the cabin and he comes up and he starts lashing together the papyrus logs. Thor hears of this, comes up on deck and in a rage, he throws what's left of the wire overboard, unwraps the pylons and throws it all into the sea. The crewman falls to his knees and says, Thor, you've killed us all. Thor looks at him and says, so be it. You knew coming into this journey that I was set to prove that the Polynesians colonised from South America. What is the point in putting our lives at risk if we use something that they didn't have available? Absolutely. I had no escape plan going in. We have no escape plan going out other than getting to the culmination, the faith I image. 15 days later, they were washed up on the two emotes and he's still one of the greatest adventurers of all time. So to have a piece of rope coming from this boat, I'll have it on my desk at home. And it just reminds me, don't have an escape plan. If your dream is big enough and you know how big your God is, he's going to back it. Why would God give you a dream that you need an escape plan for? Absolutely. So the keys tonight before we close, and I'd love the band to come up if you can. Absolute keys tonight, you will get knocked down. There will be times where something happens. And this is my face after saving my little boy off the back of a boat in Indonesia. Had a boat go over my head twice before I could get to him. There will be times when you get knocked down. But you have been called to live a large life, not a safe life, depression, anxiety, suicide, It's rife in our communities because our politicians, our lawmakers, our teachers are teaching us to lead a safe life. I've lost more friends through the safe life than I have at the end of a rope on a mountain down a crevasse or dying of exposure. I have more men and women that I know that are bursting with life because they are leading a risk-filled life that requires God's backing to pass to allow you to continue. So tonight, I don't want you to come out of here feeling discouraged. How will I ever do what Jeff Wilson does? How will I ever dream that big? It doesn't have to be a big dream. It may be that you just wanna make a difference on your street. You just wanna do something local, community-based. It might be, I don't know what it would be, but something that, that you need supernatural backing for it to come to pass. It's pointless. If your dream does not have a significant chance of failure, you're not dreaming big enough and you need to come and see me. It's awesome. So tonight, absolutely, there'll be lions in your life. I can guarantee that. And I know there are families in this church that have faced more lines than most, and yet they turn up, keep getting up, keep getting up. breaking down those four things with a couple of sub things. Obviously, knowing your identity, knowing your purpose. Absolutely, there's no point stepping into the ring and I would not encourage you to do so. Imagine going into a UFC fight with some caged animal, not knowing why you're there. You just wouldn't do it. Absolutely know your identity. Develop your faith eye and be so specific. I tend to try and get people to, to build Nine dreams at an absolute minimum. So personal, business, family. Easy win, hard win, audacious. Something that's going to get on the papers. Three dreams in three areas. So nine dreams at a minimum. Your lion killer attitude, absolutely required. And you are hardwired for this, supernaturally wired for this, when you take on the Christian faith. You don't have a choice, unfortunately. You have to have a lion killer attitude. And then ditch that escape plan. Absolutely tonight, I'm going to ask Pastor Dan to come up. If you don't know Christ tonight, I would just encourage you to at least explore it. The environments that I work in, I meet people that are there with no faith and I look at them with incredible respect because I know I would not be there if it wasn't for my faith. Can you imagine the absolute solitude of being left by an aircraft on the edge of Antarctica? There's all bustle for about an hour. Then everything gets put into the plane. The wheels come up and that thing takes off. And then there's silence. And you're there with your own thoughts. The only way home is three and a half thousand kilometres of open ice with crevasses and you lose a glove, you lose a finger, you make a mistake you can dive exposure in hours. Why would you be there without a supernatural father giving you supernatural advantage in that hostile environment? At least explore it. Thank you Dan.